God, we, uh, we come before you tonight and we ask simply for humility. Lord, as we'll see in your word, the importance of being clothed in humility as we deal with a sensitive topic, as we launch a series that affects many of us deeply, struggles and disorders that we suffer through, and many of us feel like there's no way out of things like anxiety. But Lord, you promise victory. You remind us that you are near to us, that you are with us, that you are for us. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make known your truth to us and that we would leave with joy and with hope. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we gather here every Sunday night as a church and we rely on the same thing every single week, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through God's word. It's not how well the outline is put together. It's not how skilled the communicator is. It's God's word given to you and spoken to your heart through the Holy Spirit. And I was really wrestling with that and thinking through that this week as we've been preparing for this new series, a series entitled Soul Care. And the reason that I felt that was because even though I rely upon that each and every week as I preach God's word to you, this series felt like, Holy Spirit, I really need you to speak in and through me. I need you to speak to my heart as you speak to the heart of your people because these are difficult topics. Topics of anxiety and loneliness and depression and shame and anger and burnout. That's our series. It's going to be simple, easy. We'll walk through it quickly. Not a big deal, right? We just left Judges, which was a light series, and we're going to move to Soul Care, which is another light series. We're two for two. We'll get real serious later. Advent, we're going to have to be like all about angels and like real happy. But this is a, a, a heavy topic, and we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so as I prayed, as we gathered before God's word together, the Holy Spirit has to speak to us in this series. Because the reality is this, in all of these topics, they meet us each in a different place. For some of us, the topic of anxiety or loneliness or depression or shame or burnout or anger, whichever one, it may feel like a gear that's locked in your mind and you can't shift out of it. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, no matter how you try to reframe your thinking, no matter what advice you get, you cannot shift out of that. Anxiety is there. Depression is there. Anger is there. Loneliness is there and you can't shift out. You're stuck in it. And some of you, it's more like a wheel rotating in your minds where you may not feel as if it's prevalent and consistent, but there are times and seasons and triggers that hit you where anxiety rises up and anger and shame rises up. They're situational and seasonal. But the truth is, in this series, all of us are affected by these topics in different ways to varying degrees, but we all need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so we begin tonight looking at the topic of anxiety. And I don't have to give you statistics to let you know that anxiety is prevalent in our society, but I'll give you some statistics. Anxiety affects 30% of adults at some point in their life regarding an anxiety disorder. An anxiety disorder affects 30% of adults at some point in their life. 
And women are twice as likely to experience anxiety and to suffer from it. I think that's because men are twice as likely to be egotistical and think that they're in control of everything, but that's neither here nor there. We haven't backed that up with science. I just observed that. And anxiety and depression have a really close link. In fact, 50% of people that struggle with anxiety also struggle with depression. And anxiety is reflected and connected to other disorders as well. And we all know as we watch the news, as we read articles, as we encounter this world and our friends and our coworkers, that anxiety is on the rise. And it's not just on the rise with millennials and Gen Z. It's on the rise in our society across the board. We are anxious people. And many of us struggle with it deeply. It's really important distinction to make at the very beginning as we talk about anxiety, and that is that fear and anxiety are different things, though they're connected. Fear is focused on a specific thing, so the fear of heights, the fear of spiders, the fear of missing out. Some of you resonate with that fear. FOMO. Where anxiety is a general thing. Anxiety is wonderful in that it takes all of our fears and just brings it close. Our fears actually fuel our anxiety. Soren Kierkegaard is an ancient philosopher, and he said that anxiety is dread. It's your fears fueling this anxiety that covers a multitude of aspects of your life, not just you mentally, but emotionally and spiritually and physically. It's dread. It's a cloud hanging over And it's really important to understand what God's word says about anxiety because anxiety wants to speak a lie to you. You see, God's word is very clear and Jesus is very clear as well regarding anxiety and here's what he does not say. Here's what God's word does not say to you. Listen, I know you're struggling with anxiety but you just need to get positive. Just be positive, be grateful, clean yourself up, you're kind of a mess, your anxiety is irrational, just get better. And when you get better and you start actually being grateful for all of your blessings that I've given you, then I'll give you more blessings and then I'll give you victory and then all the things you want will actually come to be, but you have to actually like fix yourself. No one else is struggling like this, it's you, you wanna be blessed, fix yourself. God's word never says that and scripture never says that. Because anxiety actually wants to speak that lie to you. And it's important for you to know that. Anxiety wants to tell you, hey, listen, God's abandoned you. Like, you have a lot of blessings. And you have a lot to be grateful for. And you should be positive. And God's not going to bless you. And he's not going to work in your life. He's not going to give you victory. Because you're anxious. And he's removed himself from you until you fix yourself. Anxiety wants to tell you that because it then makes you more anxious. When you feel as if you're alone and God has left you. But that's not true and that's not what God's word says. And we see all throughout the Bible a lot of people that struggle with anxiety. Now it's never named in regarding the the different characters and, and men and women that struggle with anxiety. But as we read their stories and as we read their prayers and their songs, we can see that there is a lot of anxiety in the people of God. One of the most famous people in the entire Bible struggles with anxiety, and his name is King David. Psalm 27, our passage tonight, is David's prayer to God in the midst of dread, in the midst of anxiety. 
See, he is full of a multitude of fears. He feels like everyone is out to get him and everything is out to get him and he feels physically drained, spiritually burnt out, emotionally exhausted, physically broken down. And he comes to God in prayer, anxious, struggling. And in verse 11, he says this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. He says, God, I'm, I'm at a place right now where I feel like my life is imbalanced. I'm confused. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. I need you to teach me your ways. I need you to balance out my life because of my enemies, because of all those fears that are being spoken to you. It's a really important question to ask, which is what are your enemies? What are your fears? You see, sometimes when we think of enemies, we think of people, and enemies can be people, but enemies are really anything that poses a threat to you. It's anything that seeks to weaken you, anything that seeks to harm you emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, those things are enemies, and they're full of fears. Our fears can be our enemies. So you may have the fear of being alone. You may have the fear of not finding romance. You may have the fear of your health. You may have the fear of not reaching your goals and career dreams. You may have the fear of being stuck. You may have the fear of being exposed. You may have the fear of your past trauma never being moved past. You may have the fear of your current relationship never being fixed. You may have the fear of death. All these things and many more can be enemies that seek to create imbalance in our life and confusion in our life. And David is feeling this as all of his enemies feel as if they're emerging upon him in his life. And he prays to God and he says, God, I need you to give me guidance. I need you to teach me your ways and level my path. Because right now everything is unstable. And then he says this, give me not up to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. As he says, God, I'm confused and I need you to teach me your way. I feel unstable. I need you to level my path because of my enemies and all those fears that are being spoken to me and I'm anxious and I'm asking you, God, do not allow my enemies, my adversaries, to overtake me. And do not allow those false witnesses, those lies, to rise up against me because I keep hearing them and I'm struggling with believing them and I know their intention, which is to destroy me. See, this is the torment of anxiety. The torment of anxiety is that in the midst of feeling unstable and confused and fearful that your enemies are actually going to overtake you and those lies are actually true, you see the destruction happening in your life and you feel powerless to do anything against it. And all of us here, as we're considering what our enemies are, we feel that. We can think of times and moments when they're triggered and when anxiety rises up in us and it feels like dread and some of you are there now. But we have to be honest too. We live in a society where anxiety is on the rise and we are people that struggle with anxiety. It doesn't just happen out there, it's happening here but we also invent ways to feed it. 
we invent ways to feed our anxiety. So your fears and your enemies may be things like the way that you view yourself, your image, and particularly how other people see you, whether or not other people think you're attractive, whether or not other people think that you're successful. You may have fears regarding your relationship and whether or not it's going to improve or whether or not you're going to find a relationship. You may have fears about getting stuck and never moving past where you're at in your life. You may have fears about never reaching your goals and experiencing all the things that you dream about experiencing. And these are enemies lying to you and rising up against you and causing instability in your life and confusion. And then even though you know that and you know that their intention is to breathe out violence upon you and to destroy and break you down, you go on Instagram all day long. Or Facebook. Many of us don't go on Facebook, but Instagram, right? You go on Instagram, and all of a sudden you think, well, I don't look like them. And my relationship doesn't look like that. Like, I mean, that's an amazing relationship. I mean, they're like hugging and kissing, and they're so happy. And like that person found love. And look at that vacation. And look at that food. That looks amazing. Look at everyone's having fun on Friday, and I'm at home watching this office again. And you feed your anxiety, right? But what you don't know is it took 45,000 selfies to get that one that was posted and a filter that costs $100. And that relationship is actually rocky. And that was the first time that they posted a picture in a while. And the post was actually kind of an attempt to make it seem like everything's all right when it's not. And that person that just found love felt just like you do for years and years and years. And that vacation wasn't as great as it looked and the food actually didn't taste very good. But you feed it and Instagram becomes Instamood, right? We should rebrand it, Instamood. I like that. <laughs> we feed it. Here's another way, maybe this resonates with you. It's a Saturday afternoon and it's rainy outside and you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna chill. I'm gonna catch up on a Netflix show. I'm gonna watch a movie. I'm gonna read that book that's been on my night shelf for four and a half years. And you're laying down, you're chilling on the couch, you're laying on your arm, and all of a sudden, as you spend some time on the couch, you get a little bit of a headache, and you're like, oh man, I have a headache. You sit up, and now your arm is asleep, and you were laying on the couch on your arm, which is maybe why it's asleep, and you haven't had water in a while, which is maybe why you have a headache, but you sat up and you thought, I have a headache, and my arm is asleep. You know what I should do? Google that. And you Google that and you realize it's, it's actually not that you're dehydrated and that you were laying on your arm, it's that you're dead. <laughs> like it's over. We look for ways to feed it, right? Or if you struggle with health anxiety, don't Google. We look for ways to feed it. And oftentimes, even when our anxiety is irrational and we know it's irrational, we lean into it, we give into it, and we feed it. How many of you like flying? How many of you don't like flying? Some of you. Some of you are like, eh. I like flying as long as I don't get the middle seat. If I can have the aisle or the window, I actually am a window guy. I like to have my little corner, my little table, and I'll take notes. Even if I don't have anything to write about, I'll take notes because I feel important. You know, as long as I'm on an airline where they're going to charge me to breathe, then I'm good. And I, I like to sit there, but you know, this happens to me too, and maybe you resonate with this. You're flying, everything is great. You know all statistics. I mean, the likelihood of anything happening on an airplane is like almost nothing. You might as well get struck by lightning. It's more likely. These pilots, they spend years upon years to fly these planes, and everything is okay, but then you have a little turbulence, like, 
oh, what was that? You look at the flight attendants. What's their faces? What are they doing? What are they doing with the cart? Why is it going back? Why hasn't the captain said anything in the last hour? Are they asleep? Are they alive? Are we on autopilot? Are we over the ocean? Where's the life jacket? Is it under here? What do, like, you get anxious and you lean into it and you give into it even though it's irrational and that's because even though anxiety can be irrational and we feed it and we give into it, it's nonetheless real to us. Even when it's irrational, it's real. It feels like dread. It's stuck for many of us. For others, it's a wheel that rotates in situations in and out in our life. So we ask ourselves, how am I going to move through this? How am I going to care for my anxiety in a way that actually brings about victory and hope? First Peter 5 gives great insight here. First Peter 5, I'm going to read verses uh, 5 through 7. It says this, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's a powerful passage. There's something in this passage that when you read it at the beginning, you can run right past. It's three words. Can you guess what they are? I thank you, I, all of you. I made them all caps in case you were confused. It says all of you. And the reason that I want us to see that is because sometimes you can be anxious about being anxious. You can be anxious about being anxious because you think that nobody else is anxious. No, we all are. Everybody is. To varying degrees in different ways, in different situations, and at different times. We struggle with anxiety. This passage is not just for those that struggle with anxiety disorder. This is for all of us. All of us are called to clothe ourselves with humility because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it's so important to see the emphasis on humility because what actually causes and is the underpinning of our anxiety is pride. Pride is what is underpinning our anxiety and feeding it at its core. Because where anxiety really rises up in your life is when you think that you can only care for yourself for what only God can do and care for. It's when you feel as if you've lost control because anxiety is about control. And so you feel like you've lost control And then you think to yourself that you are the only person capable of fixing it. So you think and you rack your mind about how you're going to fix it and what you're going to do, and it actually leads to more anxiety. When we're to humble ourselves before God under his grace and not seek to care for what only God can care for. Anxiety is about control. There's a great picture of this in the New Testament where Jesus is with the disciples and and they're going to sail across the Sea of Galilee. They've done this trip thousands of times. I mean, the disciples are expert fishermen. They know every aspect of the boat. They know how to pull the ropes and the mast and the whole thing. You can understand, I don't know much about boats, but they know how to do everything. 
They've weathered storms. They've taken the trek at night and day all the time. And so they get in the boat and they go across and a storm comes. And this is not unusual. But this storm is more intense and is scarier than any storm they've been through before. And at some point on the boat, they feel as if they've lost control. And when they feel like they've lost control, they lose it. And they go to Jesus and he's sleeping. Imagine how they felt. <laughs> like, Jesus, hey bud, glad you're taking a nap. Peter's drowning. Um, we're all dying. You're gonna do something. They freak out. They lose control and their fears are activated and they are anxious and they do the right thing, which is to go to Jesus, maybe not with the right disposition. And Jesus wakes up and he calms the storm and he calms the waves and he teaches them a lesson. And that is that they should humble themselves and trust that God is actually capable of restoring control even when they feel like they've lost control. They're with Jesus. He's not gonna allow them to be flipped over. He cares for them. You see, anxiety is really at its core caused by our pride. As we think to ourselves, and maybe you've done this, you start to get anxious, you struggle with anxiety, and you think, you know what? I'm gonna fix this with a really elaborate self-care routine. I'm gonna look at my schedule, I'm gonna manipulate my schedule, so I'm gonna care for my physical life and my mental life and my emotional life and my spiritual life. I'm gonna read books about how to think positive, I'm gonna reframe my thinking, I'm gonna practice gratitude, and I'm gonna even Instagram that I'm grateful so that reinforces that I'm grateful, and I'm gonna remove toxic relationships from my life, and I'm gonna do all of these things because this self-care routine is going to make me less anxious. No, it's not. It's a good thing. Self-care is important. Removing toxic relationships are great, and caring for your, yourself physically and emotionally and spiritually and mentally is great. Thinking positively and being grateful is great, but it will not cure your anxiety because ultimately you think that you are capable of doing it, and that is pride. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. As you humble yourself before God, you come under his mighty hand and you cast your anxieties upon him. Some of you right now are thinking to yourself, this is actually pretty good because I don't feel like I lose control much. So that must mean I'm pretty humble. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously, uh, no, you're not. You may be more prideful, most likely. See, we all struggle with pride. This passage is for all of us, and some of us, our pride manifests itself when we feel like we've lost control. We seek to establish control, and we get anxious. And some of us, we feel like we're in control. It's a false sense of control, and we only feel anxious when we're like the disciples going across the Sea of Galilee, and we finally lose it, and then we really lose it. But all of us struggle with pride and all of us struggle with anxiety in varying degrees in different ways. We're all called to do the same thing, which is to cast it. Cast it upon God. And that word is so important. Cast does not mean move it from one place to another. It's not like when you came home from school as a kid and your parents said, hey, clean up your room. And you're like, okay. So you took all of your toys and you put them in the closet and you close the door and you're like, clean. 
You just move them from one place to another. They're still there behind the door, hiding in the dark, and when you open the door, they're going to come right back out. Casting your anxieties upon God is not just moving them from one place to another and hiding them in this dark corner of your heart and your mind, hiding them behind a door, and you know when you open it, it's going to come right back out. It's not casting. Casting is throwing it away. Casting is energetic. It's intentional. It's active, and it's done with joy. Casting is like when the school year's over, and you take all of your notebooks and your folders and your trapper keepers. Remember those? The trapper keepers that you use throughout the year, and everything's bent and broken. You've used a lot. Side note, we should bring back trapper keepers because people are wearing fanny packs now. So let's bring back trapper keepers too. Create a movement. Let's do it. But you take the trapper keeper, the folder, the notebook, and you've used it all year, and it's beaten up, and it's time to throw it away. And you can throw it away with joy. Why? Because you know you're going to get something new and fresh for the next year. You see, casting your anxiety and your pride upon God is throwing it to him intentionally, actively, and with joy because when you give it to him, you know he's going to give you something new and fresh, something better than what you were clinging to. We're called to cast our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. And I think that is where most of us go awry. We forget that he actually does care for us. You see, our feelings follow our beliefs. And what you believe about who God is will affect how you feel. And that's why Peter, in verses 8 through 10, says the following. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Your fears and your anxiety are swirling around looking to create imbalance in your life and confusion in your life and speaking lies to you in your life, looking to destroy you in your life. So what are you to do? Resist him, firm in your ability to conquer your anxiety and in your self-care routine. Doesn't say that, right? Firm in your what? Faith. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world by everyone. You see, we're to stand firm in our faith. We resist our fears and our anxieties that look to create imbalance and confusion and overwhelm us and destroy us, not by our own attempts to combat them, that's pride, but by humbling ourselves before God, casting our anxieties upon him and knowing that he cares for us and he's going to give us something new and fresh. And if you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you believe that Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, went to the cross for you, and died for you and took your sin and your shame and your anger and your fears and your anxiety and he paid for them on the cross and he was buried in the ground and three days later he came forth alive and victorious and that through faith in Christ you are accepted by God, you are loved by God, you are valued by God and he has a hope and a future for you and he is working everything out in your life for your good. Your faith should speak that to you. That should be imprinted upon your heart. But sometimes, even though we believe it, it gets covered with dust. We have to blow it off and remind ourselves that God does care for us. And why would we doubt it 
if Jesus died for us? Why would God not care for your anxiety and your struggle and your pain and your fear that you're going through right now if he was willing to lay down his life for you? You see, when you receive this and when you blow the dust off your faith and you cling to that deep in your heart knowing that God can care for you, that God cares for you, it actually gives you the, the ability to resist and to cast your anxieties upon him because you know he's gonna give you something new and fresh and you can actually receive what verse 10 says. Listen to the good news of verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. How do you engage in soul care regarding anxiety? You realize that the most important thing to care for first is your soul. And how do you do that? You know that God cares for you. You remember that Jesus demonstrated his love for you. Every time that that lie wants to tell you that God has abandoned you and he doesn't care for you, you remember what Jesus has done for you. And you cast your anxiety, throwing it upon God, and you come under his mighty hand knowing that he can establish control even when you feel like you've lost control. And that he loves you and he's working out your life for good. He has hope present and available to you even when you feel like things are hopeless. That is how you battle against anxiety. I wanna close a little differently and that's by reading something over you. At the very beginning of Psalm 27, uh, King David, in the midst of his anxiety, prays this really powerful prayer. And I wanna ask you to receive this as your prayer knowing that God cares for you, remembering that Jesus has demonstrated his love for you, knowing that you can cast your anxieties upon him and come under his hand as you come under this prayer, receive it as your own. And so I'm gonna ask you to do something if you feel comfortable, which is just to close your eyes. It's not gonna be on the screen. I just want you to hear this and receive this. Make it personal. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent and he will lift me high upon a rock And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. God, we ask that this prayer would be the prayer of our heart. Psalm 27. God, we 
trust in you and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us deeply in our soul the truth that you care for us in Christ. We would remember your love demonstrated to us on the cross that you would give us the strength to cast all of our anxieties upon you and our pride upon you, knowing that you will restore us and give us something new and fresh. And would we come, God, under your mighty hand where we can be confirmed and established in your love and your grace. Give us hope, give us strength, give us faith to resist the lies that battle against us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.